With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny of the Blatant Homers and Podcast, part of Sooner Sports Radio and the V-Sporto Network. Uh, Going to be talking this evening about uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, team that's coming off some of a disappointing season, but uh, is hanging into one where they could uh, stand to make some noise, I think, in the Big 12. Got our good buddy Aaron Deckens, managing editor of Red Raider Sports, uh, to uh, come on and uh, help us help fill us in on uh, what's going on uh, there in Lubbock. So let's go ahead, welcome in, Aaron. How you doing? Hey, great. How are you? Great, great, man. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, really looking forward to uh, digging in here on uh, the Red Raiders. But first off, uh, want to talk a little bit about uh, just the uh, general state of affairs in the Big Twelve. Uh, you know, I obviously I know you follow this stuff very closely, like uh, like I do. Um, the uh, recent uh, kind of uh, flap over the Big Twelve championship game. Uh, we had uh, Commissioner Bob Bowlesby come out yesterday and basically say he thinks that the Big Twelve is moving back towards that, uh, instituting a uh, championship game after uh, the feedback that he got uh, at this week's um, college football playoff meetings. Just kind of general reactions, good move, bad move, what do you think? Oh, I think it's a mistake yeah. uh, for a couple of reasons. I think, one, uh, I think it's really foolish to invest so much in what happened in the first year of the system, right? We're gonna, the Big 12 is, is talking about changing how they crown their championship or their champion and potentially – they're scheduling who, who knows what that will look like uh, based off of what happened in one year of a new system. You, you know, you heard, uh, you heard Bowlesby say that he was told by Jeff Long that 13 data points, uh, you know, are better than 12. And I would probably agree with that, but I would also say that two data points is better than one yeah. <laughs> and three is better than, than two. So why, why are, is everyone in such a rush to kind of fix a problem that, might not be a problem. Let's not forget that it had things broken the right way, and it's really not that unrealistic, right? Florida State was living on the edge for so long last season. Ohio State was an underdog to Wisconsin. And who knows what could happen in the SEC title game uh, year to year, but if things had broken right, you might have had two teams in in the top four, right, instead of none. Um, so that, that just seems like an overreaction. And plus, Let's not forget, I, mean, I think we all, we all recognize that at some point this is going to go to eight. Mm-hmm. Right? We, we saw that with the, the FCS tournament. That has continued to grow. The basketball tournament, you know, bracket creep throughout its history. Mm-hmm. This will go to eight. So why, again, I don't see the rush. I, I just don't get it. But no one asked me, so. <laughs> yeah, no, me neither. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely seems like a knee-jerk thing to me, uh, you know, unless uh, – they got pretty definitive feedback that it was really going to hurt them. I just I don't understand. I don't stand the rush. Understand the rush shot, but who knows? Well, maybe. and why are, why are they so ready to give you know one of their top two teams an extra loss? Yeah, I yeah no, I'm with it's you. Late in the season, I just don't I don't I don't see the value. Yeah, no, I'm with you. You know, I mean, 
it just it to me it doesn't make any sense and, and i i don't know i mean the other thing that i just and going to this playoff you know i mean i agree that it's it's more exciting than the bcs or anything but the other thing that i i mean there's no there's no reason i i hate the idea of of doing everything in the regular season just to serve the playoff also you know i mean that's part of the thing about college football to me that makes it so great is that it's got such a unique and exciting regular season where you know i mean even if even if a team isn't necessarily in the hunt for a national championship they can still be having a really good year a really you know interesting year i mean you know you look at you look at baylor which really has never done anything uh in its history it is on back-to-back uh you know big 12 championships but now all this all the story around them is oh well they got snubbed I mean, you know, it, it, that was always the part about college football that uh, that I liked is that, you know, it had it, it, it had a lot of room for these kind of smaller stories, and now it just feels like everything's being directed by by the playoff at this point. I mean, I completely agree, and, and that's why you know, there's so much focus from everybody on the playoff when what there hasn't been a repeat or a first time college football national champion in 20 years yeah. since Florida, I guess, in '96. I mean, this is not some kind of deal where um, you know, the, the, the Baylors, the Texas Techs, the Oklahoma States, the, the Wake Forests. I mean, just list kind of the second and third tier schools um, or programs. There, there's really not – like Texas Tech, for example, right? They, they filled their non-conference schedule with Arkansas this year, Arizona State, Arizona, on and on. Are, does Texas Tech really need to position itself uh, hypothetically for – uh, you know, the college football playoff when they haven't won an outright conference championship since Eisenhower was in office? I don't think so. So I just don't get the, the rush to kind of, oh, make sure that your resume is okay when you haven't proven year to year that you can win, you know, heck, six conference games. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, you know, I, I want to talk, though, about Texas Tech because this is a team that I, I at least I've identified as one that I, I think uh, has a chance to really uh, kind of be a, a sleeper in the Big 12 this year, and I think that a lot of people are going to start catching on to that soon. Um, and I want to start on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's where a lot of people will, uh, you know, kind of kind of gravitate to first. Um, you know, Pat Mahomes had quite the uh, quite the finish to the year last year. Um, you know, he, he showed a lot of promise. Can we assume that uh, at quarterback there, he's pretty much unseated Davis Webb right now? Yes, I would say that absolutely. Of course, Kingsbury, like most F- most FBS coaches, is going to be very coy cool about his quarterbacks, and especially now with the um, you know the heightened concern about quarterbacks transferring. And yeah. I think you're going to see more and more kind of milk toast coach speak about, oh no, everybody's completely even, and you know we're going to go down to the wire with this deal just because they're afraid of losing some depth. But I think Mahomes is going to get the uh, the opening day start, no question. Now it might not be announced. During camp, um, that's just not how Kingsbury's done things mm-hmm. at that position since he's been in Lubbock. But uh, I would be very, very surprised if Pat Mahomes doesn't get the uh, the opening day start. And you know, with him kind of juggling baseball, also, I mean, how do you, how did that work out with uh, spring practice? I think it went fine. I think his attendance was pretty much a hundred percent. He might have missed one or two, um, but it's not like he's been playing a lot of baseball either. It's they have not been as good as expected, which is not um, made for a lot of midweek opportunities late in games. So I think he's only pitched like one inning. Oh, really? So he's mostly 
been just kind of a practice guy. Um, he's been around the, the baseball team, of course, but it's not like he's really contributing on, on some major level. But uh, I, don't, I don't think it's been a huge distraction. I, I think ideally, of course, you'd like to have your starting quarterback focus all of his attention and, and all of his focus on um, on football. But I don't know that this was some kind of crippling arrangement. And then uh, looking at the the guys up front, the offensive line. I mean, you know, did, what was the feedback like there? How how did they perform during spring? How are people feeling heading into the fall? I think people are very bullish on this offensive line. They returned four starters from a group mm-hmm. that was, you know, uh, very good. A, mm-hmm. a lone bright spot, really, along with running back. Uh, uh, you know, in the middle of a terrible season last year, they they do have to replace the right tackle. The the most likely guy to do that is going to be redshirt freshman Justin Murphy, who uh, I think coaches were very pleased with last year. And I think that he didn't do anything in the spring to uh, to lose that job. Now, what I don't know is did you know is he in that position at this point because there's really no one else pushing him, or is it because he kind of reached out there and really grabbed it? I don't know. The biggest story with the O line really the spring was its alarming lack of depth. Mm-hmm. I think because of injuries and, and some guys coming back, this and that, they only had about seven or six scholarship guys available um, this spring. They went out and added a couple of midterm transfers. They, they signed a, an early in, um, early graduating Juco kid out of Illinois. They are taking a transfer from Houston to Mecca Okafor, which kind of gives you an idea of what they think about their depth. But I mm-hmm. think just from a, a front-line standpoint, I think they feel really good about their, uh, their offensive front. Yeah, I mean, they look solid to me, and they're complemented uh, by what I think is one of the more underrated uh, collections of skill talent in, in the country. Um, you know, one of the, uh, the the receivers, obviously, I mean, those are pretty much locked down, you know, guys like Jakeem Grant there. Uh, but the, the one that's intriguing to me is uh, is Devin Lauderdale. I mean, do, do you see that this, this has been the year that maybe he really starts to take off? We'll see. I mean, they, they desperately need someone to step up and kind of be a number one guy. I think they thought going into last year that Jakeem Grant could be that guy. And of course, you know, he did lead them in catches and yards, mm-hmm. uh, but he also led the team in drops. Uh, they tried to force it a little bit there, and it just wasn't a good fit. I mean, he's a very good player, uh, but just not a number one guy. Lauderdale might be that guy. Um, you know, we saw some, some big plays from him late in the season. Whereas maybe middle of the season they had to kind of manufacture some things, some jet sweeps, whatever, to get him involved and then use his speed. Um, you know, later on in the season he began to make more and more plays within the framework of the offense. So we'll find out. Uh, I, I think that he had an okay spring. I think the the receiver to watch really the the guy that could make a difference here in terms of are, are they significantly better than last year receivers? I think they would tell you that they were disappointed in that group overall. Is Reginald Davis. He entered the season last year as a starter. Uh, you know, a lot of expectations on him. He did some good things as a true freshman, has the measurables, um, but just didn't show up week to week. Very inconsistent, would let bad plays affect him negatively, and he ended the season on the bench. So um, early returns this spring, according to the coaches, very positive with respect to Reginald Davis. If he can kind of take a step forward, then I think you feel okay about um, you know, a receiving core kind of headlined by, in whatever order, Reg Davis, Jakeem Grant, and Devin Lauderdale with maybe an Ian Sadler or Cam Batson or someone else kind of filling out that fourth spot. Again, talking with uh, Aaron Dickens of RedRaiderSports.com. So, looking at uh, running back, uh, DeAndre Washington, I-, I make him an all-conference back this year. 
uh, am I am I off base, or is, I mean, does he have that kind of potential? I, I think he deserved to be in that conversation. I mean, I, I wouldn't like stand at a table and, and fight someone for it because uh, mm-hmm. there are so many good players in the Big Twelve. But uh, he did some things last year in Lubbock that you know haven't been done here in the Air Raid era. You know, rushed for over eleven hundred yards. Uh, was really kind of the the workhorse of that of that backfield that they were kind of breaking into the younger guys. They moved Kenny Williams to to linebacker, which was a disaster. Mm. Um, you know, so yeah, really good player. Uh, you really saw his numbers take a big jump. I think the old line had a lot to do with that. His yards per carry average jumped by over a yard. Um, you know, from 2013 to 2014. Great pass protection. You know, good out of the backfield, and I think that's what makes him so important to this team. I think Justin Stockton might have the higher ceiling um, as a running back, certainly much faster. Mm-hmm. But uh, but no one at that position can compete with Washington at pass pro. I mean, he's he's got it all. I, I think that uh, he's he's the closest that they've had to kind of a franchise running back, at least in terms of this offense since Torrey Henderson mm-hmm. uh, earlier on in, in the two thousands. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he was, you know, kind of had a, a quietly really good year last year. So that's uh, one guy that I'm going to definitely be watching. Um, moving over to the other side of the ball, uh, David Gibbs has come in there. Uh, general impressions there about uh, what he's done early on. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, we've heard him talk a couple of times. We've seen one practice, um, you know, and, <laughs> and when you cover Texas Tech or if you're a fan of Texas Tech, you're, really kind of used to the new D.C. Yeah. footboard stuff, right? Oh, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to, you know, dictate the tempo to the I mean, just They all say the same thing. We'll find out in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the fall. You know, he, of course, he comes from Houston, uh, had a great, uh, you know, tenure there, was, was really kind of hung his hat on forcing turnovers. And if he can work that same magic in Lubbock, then, uh, then they'll be fine. I mean, that they – Houston was one of the best teams in the country in forcing turnovers the last two years. He came in, and they really started doing that right away. There was no kind of lead-up. There was no build-up. And if he can get the ball to uh, Tech's offense more, they'll be they'll be okay. So uh, what's the scheme going to look like? I know that uh, in the past couple of years there's been you know some kind of shifting between a four-man, three-man front. Uh, what, uh, what are they kind of going to hang their hat on this year, you think? Uh, this year they are running a, a four three. Uh, I'm sure they'll mostly run a lot of nickel stuff, but their their mm-hmm. base defense is four three with you know you know one of the ends. According to Gibbs, again we'll find out in the fall. But what he has said is that one of the ends, and this will be Pete Robertson, uh, who led the Big Twelve mm-hmm. in sacks last year. He'll he'll be a stand up pass rusher. So it, it'll look, I'm sure, most likely uh, you know like most defenses in the Big Twelve. Okay. Um... What's the strength of this team, in your opinion? Is it the is it the defensive line? Is it in the backfield? Where where would you where would you peg it? Uh, is, yeah, I would probably say the the old line in the run game at this mm-hmm. point. Um, right. I don't. I mean, they need to be quarterback, but we'll find out. But I would say yeah, because you can't really point to anything on defense as bad as they were last year. I think they feel okay about their defensive line. They've got a lot of second year JUCO players who are seniors now who have kind of bought in and. Like we normally see, there they expect improvement from year one to year two. There, uh, secondary they had a lot of guys play last year. Passes them by fire, weren't very good, uh, but I think the hope is that they've improved. But if you're asking about strength, yeah, it's, it's a mm-hmm. line running game. And then uh, one guy that uh, you know, obviously mentioned Pete Robertson, who was uh, who's a playmaker over there. But uh, 
Another interesting uh, story there is Mike Mitchell coming in from uh, transferring from um, Ohio State. Uh, you know, general thoughts on, on what he's going to bring to this defense, and do you see him contributing right away? We'll see. I think that, that fans are a lot more starblind, mm-hmm. and so I think they see him, former five-star player, former Ohio State Buckeye, and they, you know, of course, see how bad the defense was last year for this team and go, okay, how can this guy not be on the field right away? Um, we'll see. I, I don't think that he was a starter at the end of the spring. I think that David Gibbs kind of threw the brakes on some of, of the expectations in, in his comments, not directly, but just reading between the lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I think they're still actually wondering where he's going to play. Does he fit in best at linebacker? Uh, should they just put him at defensive end and say, hey, rush the passer? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know where he sits in. I'm sure that he'll play. Um, you know, you don't let an athlete like that sit on the bench if you're Texas Tech, but I don't know that he's going to be some, like, immediate kind of difference maker that, that shifts kind of the narrative of this team. And then if you had to pick the uh, the one position group or the one area on this team that they really need to come through this year, uh, who would that be? It, it's cheating to say quarterback, that, uh, yeah. so I, I won't say that, even uh, though that really is it. But I would say probably uh, probably receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they just, I think, again, I think they were disappointed last year in kind of that group performance. I don't know that they have a number one guy. They could sure use it, uh, but they don't have an Eric Ward uh, of his mm-hmm. junior or senior year or Joel Filani or Jared Hicks. They need them to step up, and I don't know if that person on the roster yet, if, if a freshman can do that, I doubt it, but who knows. But, but they need guys like Rex Davis to step up and be a big 12 caliber receiver. They need Devin Lauderdale to keep on improving and kind of keep on his you know, path of momentum, whatever. Ian Sadler is a guy that they feel good about, going to be a true sophomore. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But I, I think, it, you know, offensively at least, that's the position that they need to step up. Because if, if that position moves forward, and if Pat Mahomes can be kind of the guy that they saw in the last three games of the season, then I think they'll They'll find a way to win six, seven games. Um, but, uh, again, all that has to happen in an easier set than done. And so then, you know, what what uh, is going to be kind of a successful season for this team, looking at uh, looking at where they might end up? Great question. I mean, the, you know, fans might have a different answer. I think mine would probably be just to make a bowl game somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's hard. You, you always play the pick-a-win game. You know, yeah. the schedule comes out, and when we're so – so caught up in what happened before and what has happened, you know, in the past that it's always difficult, but yeah, the schedule's difficult. They're playing at Arkansas. They've got a three game stretch at Arkansas. Um, then they play, I think TCU at home and then Baylor yeah. in Arlington. Yeah. That's pretty tough. Um, you know, you could be very improved and still lose all three of those games and enter October with a losing record. It's kind of like West Virginia last year. You know, mm-hmm. they, they were better than I thought, but I looked at that team based on what they had done the year before and their schedule, playing Maryland, playing Alabama, and going, man, they could be they could be a lot better than they were in 2013 and still finish 5-7. and seven. So I think that's kind of where Texas Tech is at this point. They could be really improved, but because of how difficult the schedule is, playing at Oklahoma, at Texas, getting Kansas State later in the year, which yeah. um, basically means that it'll be a whole different team for the Wildcats, I think that will be very difficult to, uh, to overcome. But I think they find some way to win six games. Yeah, I think that uh, I think they do too. Uh, you know, they they seem to be uh, as as uh, as much of a disaster I, I think as last season was for them. They seem to be playing better as the year 
uh, progressed than there down the stretch. They looked, uh, you know, they looked pretty dangerous. And I think that uh, coming into it this year, you know, they've got uh, they've got some momentum there. But you're right, that is that is a, a rough schedule with that uh, game. With you know, all of a sudden at Arkansas, the way Arkansas finished last season, that suddenly looks a whole lot uh, tougher than it did uh, did you know a year ago or whenever it was scheduled. You know, or oh, hell, I mean, look at how Arkansas looked when they played Texas Tech. I mean, they're still rushing yeah. for first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because last season, and I'm sure you can find other teams with this kind of um, margin, but if you look at Tech, they're probably five plays away last year from being six and six, but they're also five plays away from being two and ten. Yeah. They could have lost to Central Arkansas very easily. They they could have lost very easily to to Utah. But I think, I mean, they they just needed one more first down against West Virginia to seal that game. Yeah. They didn't. They lost. Um, you know, they, they almost tied Baylor there in Arlington. So they were they were closer than I think four and eight in the case, they were also pretty close uh to going two and ten. Yeah, yeah. Well it should be an exciting season. But uh Aaron, let everybody know where they can uh catch up on all your stuff. Uh at Aaron Dickens on Twitter. Uh you can sign up for redraidersports.com by going to redraidersports.com and uh you know, if you want to hear food talk and fart jokes, uh, host a morning show on com from 6 to 9 Central. All right, folks. Again, uh, that's Aaron Dickens with RedRaiderSports.com. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, filling us in on everything that's going on there in Lubbock. Alan, no problem. Go Rockets. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you all for joining us, too. For the Blatant Overs and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.